Say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now I'm losing that. Stood on the stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. Right now. Oh, right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? You've been good 
morning, Cypress Bible Church. My name is Caleb Dragna, and I am so glad to welcome you here with us if you're here in person, or thank you for welcoming us into your home if you're streaming this morning. A couple quick things to bring to your attention. The uh, first ever Cypress Bible Church online VBS is happening right now. It's underway. We're about to start week two of five. While the theme of this year's VBS is it's a mystery, how you can be involved shouldn't be a mystery at all. There are two uh, primary ways you can get, still get involved. Uh, most importantly, you can be in prayer for our VBS this year. You can pick up a bracelet today uh, with the name of a child you can be in prayer for during the entirety of the rest of VBS, so that's four weeks. Uh, while we encourage you to pray for this child for four weeks, you don't actually have to wear the bracelet for all four weeks. Uh, also, if you want to join VBS Prayer just to know what's going on with the rest of VBS, uh, please send an email to cbcprays, that's P-R-A-Y-S, for the number four, vbs at gmail.com. So cbcprays for vbs at gmail.com so that you can be aware of ways you can pray from home for our VBS this year. And this year for our global fundraiser for VBS, we're raising $3,500 to build a community center in South Africa. Uh, and our local outreach this year, we're collecting 2020, or that number again, 2020 items for Cyprus Assistance Ministries. Uh, for specifics on how to support either of those things, please visit the VBS table in the comments this morning, or go to cypressbible.org VBS and click on ways you can help. And finally, speaking of South Africa, we also have a virtual trip to South Africa coming up July 18th through the 25th. If you want more information about that or you would like to register, please go to cypressbible.org and select virtual programming to see how you can be a part of spreading the name of Jesus in South Africa. So this morning we're going to spend some time praising Jesus together. I want to call your attention to some things that the Bible says about the name of Jesus. Firstly, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. We read in Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Secondly, there is no higher name than the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 9 and 10, we read, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And finally, there is power for every believer according to God's will in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus says in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So please keep these things in our minds and hearts this morning as we worship together. And now if you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for providing the way to eternal life in him, and thank you that we can enjoy this life now, even in the midst of what's going on in our world, because of the hope that we have in, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Please bless this time of worship and teaching this morning, and let us always remember that we need not fear anything because of what Jesus has done for us. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to invite you all to stand up with us.
praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all, his, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. 
is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. reads this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the breath that you give us every minute. Father, we come today praising your name. Lord, we thank you for salvation just through your son Jesus. Lord, we pray for salvation to come to all those who don't know him. Father, we pray for salvation to come to this land. Lord, what is going on in this country? You know what's going on. And Father, I pray for everything that we are enduring that we learn to trust in your plan. And may we worship your name, even if we don't understand your plan. Father, we pray for the church to rise up, to be the lights in the dark, to proclaim your name to all those who need to hear, Lord. And we pray for spirits to be softened to the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we pray for believers to stand up and rise up. Father, we thank you so much for the salvation that Jesus gives. May our worship today continually and always be pleasing in your eyes. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in thee mine all in all jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Dead. 
Pastor Evan. I'm the elementary children's pastor here at Cypress Bible Church. Um, so glad that y'all are here today. Now, I have a mystery object right here for you, and I'm going to see if you can figure out what is inside. So this, inside this uh, mystery box right here, I'm sorry it doesn't make the Mario sound, um, but inside this mystery box, there is something that provides answers, joy, and guidance. All right, so it's got something inside that has answers, joy, and guidance, okay? So I'm gonna let you think about that for just a second. Ponder that mystery. As I share a little bit about our VBS that we've had this first week, uh, we are going five weeks for our VBS with our kids, uh, and I just wanna share some things with you. Uh, we've got 115 kids registered, and uh, this last week on our Tuesday, we had a live stream with uh, 60 families watching, 200 views on Facebook, um, and we had on Thursday, some small groups met over Zoom with over uh, 75 leaders, kids, middle school students, and high school students helping out. And uh, we've made 140 packets that people have been able to pick up, uh, including uh, we, know we took 20 over to the Andover apartment complex on Saturday and had a team go over there. And, uh, and so what's great about this year with VBS is we're doing things that we've never done before because we don't get to do things that we usually get to do. Um, from the outside, VBS looks very different. It looks like a mystery, uh, but on the inside, there's still lots of great things that God is doing. And so some of the things that you can do to participate, if you want to be a part of VBS, is one thing you can do is simply watch. Uh, if you go to cypressbible.org slash VBS, there's videos and our live stream. And if you just want some fun things that you can enjoy at home, uh, you can watch and, uh, and join in on uh, some of the fun, uh, some of the worship, some of the teaching, the drama. Uh, so it's all there, all for free. Uh, if you'd like to help us um, by praying, uh, we're going to have prayer bands right as you leave. And I've got a prayer band right here. You don't have to actually like have it affixed to your wrist for five weeks. Uh, I just have some tape on mine so I can take it off after today, um, but I have it in a place where I can remember to pray uh, for a VBS child. So if y'all would like to do that, uh, we would love to have all our children prayed for for the next few weeks. And if you'd like to pray uh, and more than, uh, more than just for one child, uh, you can sign up by sending an email to cbcpraysforvbs at gmail.com, and you can get updates about how you can pray for our kids. And finally, there's ways that you can give as well. Uh, and so we've been collecting money for a project in South Africa. We're raising $3,500 to build a community center. Uh, and so right now we're at $32.05. And so every penny, every nickel, every dime counts. And so we'd love for you to help uh, participate. There's boxes like this in the commons if you've got some money you'd like to drop into. Um, there's also a text to giving option that Pastor Brian just emailed us uh, yesterday, uh, last night. So we'd love for you to help us uh, reach that goal. We're also collecting 220 items for Cypress Assistant Ministry. Uh, we're collecting 2,020 items. Right now we're at 220. So if y'all can help us reach that goal, that would be great as well. Now, I'm not sure if you've been able to figure out what the mystery object is yet. It has answers, joy, and guidance. So if you might have already figured it out, let me go ahead and make the amazing reveal. So this object is... A cell phone. Did anyone figure that out? Anyone get that one? 
And so it has answers. So if I ever have a question, I just go to Mr. Google and I ask a question. It's got joy as I connect with friends or watch videos. Uh, and it's got guidance as I usually get lost without my Google Maps. Uh, and so it's got lots of things uh, that help uh, me in my life. And so you could not tell from the outside what was on the inside. Uh, and yet what was on the inside uh, changes my life, changes your lives. Uh, sometimes for the good, maybe not for the good always. Um, but uh, we don't always see what is on the inside. But what is on the inside can change what is on the outside. So this first week, we talked about how we need to follow the clues as we look at the life, uh, the, mis the mystery that we're looking at this year, which is God, uh, which is the life of following God is a mystery. And so when we talk about following the clues, we're talking about how God has set his fingerprints in all of creation to point to the fact that he is real. But the truth is that we are a clue as well. Um, Christians are a clue. We're a mystery to others, but we're also a clue. When people look at you as a follower of Jesus, do they see the maker's fingerprints? Do they see the work of Christ upon your life? Can they see what God is doing on your inside, transforming your outside? So I know that uh, Pastor Chang is going to be talking about that today and talking about how uh, the life of a, of a Christian uh, should really uh, radiate Christ in, in everything. And so uh, as people look at us, we are a mystery. We are a clue. Um, but ultimately, it's not about us. It's about Christ. And so uh, our hope for you today is that you feel inspired and encouraged uh, so that you can go out into the world and be an example of Christ to everyone. So if you are watching, if you're at home, I want you to think about, as we go through the passage of Colossians, how do these things point people to Jesus? The way that you live, how do people see Jesus if you are living out the way that we read, at, read about in Colossians? So that's a mystery. That's your uh, case for today. And so I hope you guys uh, enjoy the message and uh, celebrate this time with us. I think we're going to continue on with another time of worship.
Y'all be seated. Good morning. It's great to be with you all this morning. My name's Jonathan Chang, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Cypress Bible Church. So for those worshiping here today, welcome. And for those watching online, welcome as well. Ten years ago, Marvel began a series of movies, and it was the Infinity Saga, and, uh, or Saga. And it started out with the movie Iron Man. And ten years later, it ended with the culmination uh, of the movie Endgame. And in this series of movies, we were introduced to the Avengers. We had heroes like Captain America, Hulk, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Thor, really cool people. Now, in the movie Thor, we are introduced to Thor. And we see that he has a hammer called Mjolnir. That's the only time I'm going to say it because it's really hard to say. But this hammer that he has, has an inscription on it, and it says this, Whosoever holds this hammer, if they be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. To use this hammer, to use this weapon, you had to be worthy. You had to do things and possess things that someone worthy has. And we see in that movie, there's one point where Thor is unable to use the hammer because he's not worthy. We see Iron Man and Hulk try to pick it up, but they're not worthy. And so in the movie Endgame, the movie that closes everything out, there's a scene where Thanos is about to defeat Thor. The hammer is dropped. So who's going to pick it up? Who is worthy? Let's see. Okay, geek moment. I still get really pumped up every time I see that scene. Yes! When that movie came out in the theaters, and I remember going to watch that with some friends, at that very scene, I was like, yeah! You see, Captain America was worthy. But why was he worthy? Well, we see in the movies and the films, Captain America was always putting others before him. He was always willing to stand up for what was right. He was willing to give his life so others may live. And so, because me, who is, a, I love pop culture, but I also love traditional theology, and so anytime I watch a movie, I try to think some, and in this scene, it really made me think, how does a worthy Christian walk look? And Paul addresses that exact question in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, which is the passage we read earlier. So let me give you a little bit of a background to this passage so you guys can fully understand what's going on. Paul is writing the letter, this letter to the Colossian church from prison. It's one of his prison epistles. And what he's writing to them is he is encouraging them. He is thanking them. He is excited for them because this is a church of new believers, people that are just beginning this spiritual journey. What's even more incredible is he has never met anyone from this church except for one person. And so he is thanking and encouraging people he doesn't even know. But in this letter, Paul is also addressing a concern of his. Because what's going on is you have false teachers that are trying to uh, teach this false teaching, denying the lordship of Jesus. 
They were trying to tell these new believers that you need to have a specific insider knowledge in order to achieve or acquire salvation. And so because of that, they would use Christian terms like knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. These Gnostics, that's what they were called as Gnostics, they wanted to prey on these less mature believers. And because of this, Paul wants to point these believers to no one else but Jesus. He wants to point them to the supremacy of Jesus' kingship. We see that in the, in the passage, in the verses after what we're studying today. The preeminence of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, that Christ is over everything. He writes about that so beautifully. In this section of Scripture, Paul is literally praying these words for the Colossian church. He had just finished a prayer of thanksgiving. Now he is having an intercessory prayer for these believers to grow in their spiritual understanding of God, to grow in their walk. And so in verse 9 it reads, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul is letting the church know that he and Timothy have been praying for them since they learned of their newfound faith. And not just praying, but praying without ceasing for their continued growth and understanding of God and his will. Paul was committed to praying for these people. And he was praying some very specific things as well. He wasn't praying for their material and physical needs to be met, which are very important. But for believers, he was praying for their spiritual needs, which is of the utmost importance for all of us as followers of Christ. He was praying for them to be filled with the knowledge of God in a way deeper way than just a superficial knowledge of God. He didn't want them to just know about God. He was praying that they would know God. There's a big difference in that. We read in Psalm 143.10 when King David writes, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Paul uses the Greek word, or the Greek word that is used typically for the term knowledge is gnosis. This just refers to general knowledge, but Paul uses the word epignosis in this. He wants them to not just have a general knowledge, he wants them to have a fuller understanding, a more precise knowledge. Paul is also using these words because he knows the Gnostics, the false teachers, were using this word gnosis around, and he wanted them to be able to differentiate between general knowledge and the knowledge of God. He wanted them to be filled with the knowledge. He wanted them to be filled, which means he wanted them to be controlled. You see, when you are filled with fear, you are controlled by fear. When you are filled with hate, you are, you are controlled by hate. But when you are filled with the will of God, then God runs you. Being filled with God will allow us to live a life according to how God wants us to live. It's about the indwelled Holy Spirit to lead our lives, living by the Spirit. So the question is, what is God's will? It's important that we understand that God's will is more than just following a set of rules. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, Paul tells the church that God's will for us is our sanctification. Our conforming to the image of Christ. 
in our daily lives, in everything that we do. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, that the will of God is for us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks always. The more we are filled with the knowledge of God, the more we allow God to lead us, the more we will understand his character, the more we will understand his sovereignty, which allows us to deal with stressful situations. It allows us to understand his mercy and grace as demonstrated through his gift of Jesus to mankind. Knowing and understanding is a vital part, though, to our Christian walk. And it's not just knowing and understanding. We see right here, it's about spiritual wisdom. It's about spiritual understanding. So spiritual wisdom is acquiring knowledge, and spiritual understanding is using these things of acquired knowledge that we understand to act in specific situations. These go way deeper than just a topical wisdom and understanding. Acting and thinking spiritually comes alone, only from God. And this is accomplished through some things, two things, the believer's prayer life and the studying of the Word in-depth prayer, like how Paul is praying for the church of Colossae. Pray more than just for your physical needs. Pray more for than just your physical desires. He says we should pray for spiritual wisdom and understanding, not just for ourselves, but for everyone. We pray for ourselves. We should pray for others in the exact same way. And he also says, dig into the Word. Read the Bible with purpose and intention for growth to know God more doing that, then we are able to go into verses 10 through 12a. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. This word, walk, it's one of these Christianese terms that we use that details uh, what it is, how you act as a Christian. Paul uses this as a metaphor. He's referring to the Hebrew word halach, which means to act in a certain way in regards to how you live your life, your conduct. And he uses this term multiple times throughout this letter. Paul is praying specifically for the church at Colossae so that they may live life in a worthy manner. And you can only live life in a worthy manner if you are filled by God. There's no other way to do it. The Holy Spirit gives you the discernment on how to live out your life. I love the way Paul uses the word worthy in this because it further confirms the expectation that God has us for to conduct ourselves. As Christians, we should be expected to walk like Christ. And if you don't know how to really do that, Paul's really good at giving lists to all the churches he writes letters to because he wants to make sure that he covers and teaches them well so they can live out well. And the first one he writes is bearing fruit in every good work. Good works are basically our actions and deeds that can be seen by others. Good works are a result of saving faith. They are not something that merits salvation. They're not something that we do to gain salvation. Good works is the outflow of having an understanding of God's will in your daily life. Good works is a natural expression of the Christian living in the Spirit. As believers, we all know general examples of good works, right? 
helping others, serving others, and so on. But today, in this current time where we are restricted to go out and do as we please or to go out and serve as we may have done before, what can we do for works? Our works can also be done with our words because they're seen by others. They're heard by others, whether they're spoken or typed. The words we use, do they really edify others? Do they encourage others? Do they push people towards Jesus? Are they scriptural? I don't know about you, but I'm tired and I'm weary and my soul is downcast anytime I open up social media. And what's killing me is I see too many Christians putting their political ideals and ideologies above their Christian faith, especially these last few months. And so it's not about being left or right as a Christian. It's about being above. Looking at Jesus being Christ-like. That is what we seek to emulate and live out. Our words, the very words we use, they are works. So if you truly want to live into passages like Isaiah 117, which reads, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause, you also have to learn to do these works through the word. Because good works must be scriptural. Just the second point Paul gives. To increase in the knowledge of God. Literally, read the Bible. That's what he's saying. Open it and you read it. And so for us as believers, there should be a desire for us to dig into this word. If we are living into God's will, we can't be, we, we're excited to open up the word of God to study about the man or the God who saved us. Read it, study it, learn it, live it. The more we study the word, the more we learn about his character. And studying the word can't be relegated to reading an inspirational quote we see on social media. It can't be sharing or reposting something we saw a Christian author write. The word is sufficient. The word should be the first go-to for us in our Christian walks. Because there are too many Christians today that are biblically illiterate. So you have to dig into the word. So what if you're not excited to read your Bible? What if you're not excited to dig into the Word? Well, let me encourage you that God honors obedience. And any time you read His Word, it doesn't return void. Because as believers, we need to dig into these life-giving words in the Scriptures. We also need to remember that good works and knowledge of the Word go hand in hand. It's not just about doing one or the other. They have to go together. There has to be a balance. So I don't know how many people watching or in here remember the cartoon G.I. Joe from the 80s. I love G.I. Joe. Snake Eyes was my favorite. But at the end of every episode, there was always a short moral lesson in which uh, a boy or a girl would learn a lesson on how to act, how to conduct themselves. And the G.I. Joe character would always say, and knowing is half the battle. You see, because it can't just be about knowing. There has to be action. Who knew there would be so much spiritual wisdom from an 80s cartoon? Paul then goes on to the third point. A worthy 
walk is one that is filled with endurance and patience with joy. Because everyone in here understands that life is messy. It can be discouraging at times. It can be confusing and frustrating. Again, look at today in our country. I imagine everyone in here, or most people watching, are really frustrated and downcast. But part of having a worthy walk is enduring, being patient, persevering with joy through all of this. Endurance, patience, and joy were virtues of believers in the early church because they were constantly being oppressed, constantly being persecuted, so they had to hold on to joy. Well, guess what? 2,000 years later, it still applies to us today. So how do we choose joy? How do we endure? How do we be patient and persevere? Well, there are two things that Paul writes about. The power of God is what will give you the strength to make it. Anything other than the Holy Spirit leading your life is going to leave you empty and drained and discouraged. As you navigate life, it's good to have your friends encourage you or, or, or whatnot, but in the end, it's the power of God that sustains you through it all. We must remember that. It doesn't matter what you read or the TED Talks you listen to or whatever Christian living book you read. Again, the power of God is what must sustain you. And then choosing joy. This is a phrase we use all the time as Christians, and, and it's almost become cliche-ish, but that's literally what it is, choosing joy. Choosing joy means remembering what is promised to you, promised to us as followers of Jesus. There are eschatological implications of this, of a future glory that we cling to. Choosing joy is a mindset. And because of that mindset, it doesn't matter all the junk that's going on right now. We know what is coming for all of us who believe in Jesus as Lord. Heaven and glory. And that is the hope I cling to. And that is the hope that Paul is telling them to cling to. That is what Paul is telling all of us in this room to cling to right now. To encourage you so you can walk with endurance, patience, and joy. So, it was announced today or a few days ago that baseball season is starting. So, I have missed sports a lot. Probably too much. But baseball specifically, I'm super excited about. And on July 25th, it's going to be opening day. And so with that, we get to start watching our Houston Astros play baseball again. Now, in this though, it got me thinking about baseball and the history of the game. And Jackie Robinson came to my mind. It has to be a God thing. That my excitement about sports, God would say, hey, I guarantee you there's a spiritual story that you can share. You see, for those that don't know, Jackie Robinson was the first black player in pro MLB in Major League Baseball. He endured a lot of rough things. Being the first black player, he had to endure racist rants, vitriol, hateful speech, hateful actions directed at him. Everywhere he went, there was opposition. Now, something you don't ever really read about in these books or movies you see about Jackie Robinson is they never talk about his faith. See, Jackie Robinson was a fellow brother, brother in Christ. He was a fellow Christian. And because of this, and because of his encouragement from the team owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, who told him to learn to turn the other cheek, to live into the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jackie Robinson was strong in the Lord from that standpoint. We see because he never once retaliated at anyone or to anyone. Branch Rickey actually used this quote specifically. He said, have the guts to not fight back. And the only way he was able to do that was submitting to the power of the Spirit. Jackie chose to be meek and non-retaliatory with the strength that only God could give because our flesh would have us retaliate. Our flesh would have us fight back and punch back and spew words back. Jackie Robinson didn't do that. This was possible only because he chose to live out his faith. And it was also possible because he had teammates that stood by him and demonstrated good works with their words and standing in solidarity with them. What a great lesson. Great lesson on what does it mean to persevere and endure. And then Paul gives his last point in this, in a, living a life in a worthy manner, which is giving thanks to God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Thank God. Thank God for everything. But the reality is, is all of us as Christians, we don't thank God enough. There's a song that's playing on Christian radio right now called Alive and Breathing, and the chorus sings, if you're alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Every breath that we have is a gift from God. Every breath that we breathe is a demonstration of God's grace towards us. Be thankful to God. But Paul gives them even more specific instruction on what to be thankful for. He says, thank God for salvation. And Paul describes, why do you thank God for salvation? He's like, well, let me tell you. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Yes, such hopeful and exciting words. God has qualified us. God gives us salvation. Because of Jesus, we as saints in the light, we have a future inheritance. We can't qualify ourselves. It's not about what we do or what we can accomplish. It's about God. Because our works, apart from this qualifying salvation, are like dirty rags. We're qualified the moment we believe that Jesus' death atoned for our sins. We are qualified by the moment that we make Jesus the Lord of our hearts. We are qualified the moment that we recognize apart from Christ, we are destined for an eternity in hell. But because God loved us so much, he sent his only son to live a perfect life and endure a horrific death. And because Jesus is Lord, he resurrected three days later. We are qualified when we believe that the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. See, it's God's grace. You can't earn it. He says right here, it's an inheritance. It's a gift. And because of his grace, we have the privilege to be called saints. Saints in the light. I love this interpretation because in our vernacular, we are taught that saints, sainthood is something that you learn or achieve in the Christian walk. But scripture tells us that for those who believe Jesus is Lord, you are a saint. We're saints. We are now set apart from this world. God has delivered us. God has transferred us. We see in this. Paul gives an imagery of a new exodus in these words. We were delivered 
from Satan's domain. We were delivered from the kingdom of darkness, from the domain of Satan. We are from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When Paul uses the word transferred, he uses the Greek word methistomy, which literally means he has moved us from one place to another. He has picked us up from here and moved us to over here. And so for me, the natural illustration I thought about was when we went to Showbiz Pizza, now Chuck E. Cheese, soon to be whatever, or any arcade you go to, there's that giant claw game, right? And it comes down and picks up whatever prize you're trying to win, and then it's yours when you pick it up, right? God has literally picked us up from that domain, and now we are in his hands, his palms forever in the light. And then lastly, God has redeemed us. Christ's death on the cross was the ransom that was paid for our lives. We have been spared from an eternity in hell through the redemption that God gave us in Jesus Christ alone. The belief in Christ's death and resurrection is the reason why we thank God. It's why we cling to hope. It's why we walk in a worthy manner. And so, for us today, how does that look? Well, there are two questions that we, as followers of Christ, must ask ourselves on a daily basis. How do we pray? How's our prayer life? What do we pray for? Do you thank God for salvation daily? I know I don't. And this was really convicting to me as I was prepping for this. Like, really convicting. We must all... Daily, when you wake up, the first thing that should be coming out of your mouth is, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for hope. And so we must pray that as followers. As followers, we must pray to God, allow his spirit to lead our lives, to lead our will. We must pray for God to grow us spiritually, even if it causes discomfort, even if it's difficult. If you have knowledge of the word, you understand that this Christian walk is not an easy walk. It's not a life of comfort. And so if that's what it takes for us to understand God's character, to learn how to reflect Jesus more, that is what we should pray for. And then the last question. How does your, how is your walk? How does it look? How does it look to the world around you? Is there fruit? Can people tell that we're followers of Jesus in the way that we live, in the way that we act? If you compare your life to a non-believer, is it going to look any different? That's a question that we must ask ourselves on a daily basis as followers of Christ in a dark world. There has to be a differentiation. And so on a daily basis, as we reflect and thank God for salvation, we should ask ourselves, am I living life in a worthy manner? All right, I want to to invite you all to stand up for this one last song for uh, Jesus, our redemption and our salvation.
So brothers and sisters, be encouraged by this word from the book of Ephesians. Paul tells us this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Go and be the lights in this dark world and show Jesus to everyone you encounter. God bless you all. all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior.